0: We are live on Decentralized Radio with Matt from Rizal. Ryan, who's in my house right now in Wyoming. It's a good time. And we are gonna talk a little bit about grounding and
1: entrepreneurship today. Matt, how's it going, man? Doing great. Uh yeah, I'm excited to talk with you guys and should be a fun conversation. So yeah, thanks for having me on. I think the like
0: I said, pre-show, we've been trying to do this for, for quite a bit of time, but
1: yeah, I've I've I've
0: had the Risals for a bit and then I was kinda like, you know, when do I wear these shoes? A bit like too nice for me, but then the slip ons, but then I was like had this epiphany. In the wintertime, they're perfect because, you know, you like to wear socks when it's cold, um, and, and they're easily uh able to slip on with socks and then you can still ground. But Maybe before we get into all that fun detail, um, how did you kind of stumble upon grounding, earthing, and then what really inspired you to make this brand? Because it's it's very much needed and it's really cool. And I think you're doing it in a really great way. And I'm excited for what's to come
1: as well. For sure. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, glad to hear you're finding the right time to wear them even in like cold climates and all that. Because yeah, I'm thinking from the San Diego perspective, every day is pretty much the same. And like, you know, I just, I just throw them on literally every day of the year. Actually, in the last like 48 hours, it's been like pouring almost constantly, which is like, not the norm here. So I was like, hmm, I need some more like waterproof <laughs> shoes <laughs> for for the two days out of the year. Um, but yeah, how I got into it, I mean, um, you know, I've had like a long journey kind of in this health world and being interested in like alternative things like this, since we could go through that whole story if you want to. But you know, it started a long time ago, Uh, you know, I started buying like natural soaps and stuff like in high school, I just got attracted to that sort of thing. And that led into diet that led into, you know, light and EMF. And you know, just, you get pulled further and further down this rabbit hole, right. And I think really in the last, um, let's say, like three years or so, kind of became a bit less interested in the like, techie biohacky side, and a little bit more so just in like, nature right and like these free things most of them are free you know that's kind of when like cold plunges started and that's when like people were really getting more serious about like sun exposure and things like that and I don't even remember the first time I heard about grounding but it was somewhere in that era you know I was probably listening to like bulletproof radio back in the day like 2015 or something and like it was just like one of those 12 different odd things you would like do. Right. And, um, so yeah, that was, it was something I would like think about, but a few years ago started taking it more seriously, like grounding just as much as I could really. And, um, wanted grounding shoes. Uh, I've started wearing barefoot shoes. That really was the the way to go into it. You know, that started way back, uh, probably, yeah, probably also like 2017 or something like that. And, you know, I just felt like, well, I want, I want all these, aspects of barefoot shoes, but I also want to be grounded and there's not many options available. And I also just want shoes that are chill and casual and everyday and not like, especially early on, all barefoot shoes were like super dorky, right? Now there's a lot of cool options, but there's still very, very limited barefoot grounding shoe options. So yeah, it was really just a matter of like scratching my own itch, which like you said, we'll get into other ventures and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. But that's really my perspective these days is just like, Dude, make what you want in the world, and like you'll find the other weirdos that think like you do, <laughs> and uh, and and they'll be as stoked about it as you are. So, yeah, it really, just comes down to like what what I wanted and and making it exist.
2: Now, and that's pretty. And me, it's funny, me and Tristan were having conversations uh, sort of about this before uh, we hopped on the call here, just about the idea of not reinventing the wheel per se, but finding how you can put your spin on something that might be missing within a space or like, like that was one of my big complaints in in general with grounding shoes. Like they're always like a sandal or like you said, so the the whole foot shoe and those are great for like certain parts of the year or maybe certain parts of the country are better than others. But like right now we got like almost a foot of snow in some drift areas, like around here we went hiking earlier. And so it's kind of nice to like, if you want to be able to ground year round, have a whole full fitting shoe. And so I actually kind of want to ask you about the design of the shoe and how you guys came about to sort of the the fit that you guys finally found with the versions you have now. Cause I really like them. They're kind of slick, casual and everyday use. And I'm sure that's part of like some of the design that you came to it. But I'd love mm-hmm. to know like the process of like kind of beginning like concept to finish how that looks because I think sure when you're making a physical product, there's a lot more that goes into it than I think you would you would imagine just like having the idea there's a like sourcing and all this stuff. Um, I mean, obviously like Tristan's doing that right now with Wyoming based and stuff like that. So it's super fascinating to hear about how you figure that stuff out. So maybe you can kind of tell us a little insight on how you got it from like vision to product to sale. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I, I want to hear more about Wyoming based as well because that's awesome. Congrats on, on getting that out there. That's, that's great. But, um, yeah, I mean, so Slight background on that is I've been in e-commerce for like basically my basically since I was eighteen. Like it's all I've been doing. I've never had I never had an adult job. Like I I did graduate college, but I was already like doing e-commerce stuff and just have managed to ride that for the last ten plus years at this point. So so that's kind of been my thing. So this was just like the next rep on many many reps of that and never having any like you know wildly huge like selling a business for millions of dollars or anything like that, but like, you know, been able to sustain myself off it, which is really, really the goal. So yeah, had some reps already. So I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it was like so easy, but I did kind of like my initial vision of Rizal was like, this is like a side project and this one's just for fun. And this is just something I want, Put like probably the least investment i had put into a new brand in a while. And was just like, let me just throw this out there and see, uh, you know, I want to make it and I'm sure it'll be a fun little side thing ended up getting more legs than I expected. So yeah, now it's kind of the main thing. But uh, yeah, from on the design perspective, um, you know, I used to wear slip ons all the time. I used to wear Van slip ons, like, pretty much every day of my life. So I kind of see it. I know some people see them as more fancy. Some people see them as more casual. I think they're really like versatile in that way. Like you can dress them up or you can just like, I mean, I'm just wearing them like in shorts, like around the beach and stuff like every day. Right. Um, But yeah, it's kind of like a grown up van slip on in a way. At least that, that first style is kind of the way I see it. Um and then like the Joro style that I know that I know you guys are about to get. Um, that was kind of like inspired by actually this like one particular shoe that I had like years ago that like had this like similar cut. Um, or kind of like Clark to Desert boots and stuff like that. Um but uh yeah, stylistically, you know, I it was almost like I wanted to be a slip-on, but more importantly I wanted I wanted as natural materials as possible, because that's really rare in in, in shoes in general. Um, and I wanted, of course, the grounding and I wanted the wide toe box. So uh, those were really like the priorities. Um, and then design wise, you know, um, I found just the way I come up with like sourcing and through all of that is like you want to find some manufacturer supplier that is doing something at least remotely close to what you're looking for and start there and then be like, okay, can we tweak this? Can we tweak that? Can we change this? And that really accelerates the process quite a lot. So I found um, some, you know, shoe workshops that were making some, not grounded, not all of that, but um, like a relatively simplistic leather slip-on. And that was kind of like, okay, this is, this is a starting point for putting my spin on something that already exists and is out there so from there it was just like several months of uh iterations of samples and things like that and then just kind of like doing a soft launch with pretty small inventory and then we were back ordered for like months after that but (laughs) that's kind of that's kind of how it started
0: yeah i think what i when i first saw you guys i was really Intrigued and impressed on the fact that it is. Yeah, it's like pretty much all like natural materials, like leather, which and grounded. And, and this is something that really still doesn't exist anywhere else, I think. So what, like, why are shoes so far from what they used to be in in this regard? And, you know, how challenging was it to get like a leather outsole and, and really use this type of material and and you have some cool like different forms of leather as well from like cowhide
1: leather i think to what like with buffalo leather or, or... yeah the outsole is the water buffalo leather water which buffalo, is a little more like yeah. robust and a th- thick slab leather yeah so, some people so hear so that talk it, about that
0: like, yeah. yeah a little bit because that to me is like almost like the biggest differentiator and the most interesting part and then we can get into maybe the grounding side of things there compared to like the leather mm-hmm. versus the copper plug
1: Yeah, totally. Um, So it'll actually get more interesting as we look back on this in the future, because next styles coming out are like completely different manufacturing process and stuff like that. But the end product is essentially very similar in terms of like the leather outsole and all of that. But, you know, um, yeah, this uh, style of shoe baking has been done for hundreds, if not thousands of years in this area of Turkey. Um, And I was able to just like stumble upon this style of like Yemeni slip-on that already does a lot of this construction. Like they've already used like leather outsoles. Leather outsoles actually go way back, right? Um, But now they're just like, there's a layer of like tire (laughs) on the bottom, essentially, right? Like, so, uh, or even like, you know, you go back to cowboy boots or something like that. And of course, leather goes way back. But your question is really like quite deep because it's like, it really applies to everything. It's not just shoes, right? Like what happened? What the real question is what the hell happened to everything? (laughs) Right. Like why did, why did everything get so screwed up? And um, I think that a lot of that comes down to like economics as I'm sure you guys get into a lot on, on this, on this podcast with decentralization and stuff like that. But um, yeah, you know, I think we are just like in a very screwed up economic time where everything is cheaped out. Everything's being, replaced by plastic, everything's being replaced by seed oils and you know chemicals and, and products, right? And um I think just we saw that same thing happen to shoes, right? Like how do we how do we scale manufacturing, um i.e making them out of plastic and factories in China? How do we get costs down uh you know using plastic synthetic materials? How do we come up with like some weird tech angle to like claim like they're you know super absorbent so you can jump eight feet tall or some shit and it just like, it's, it's technology, you could say, but um, I kind of think this new wave of products, the, the the technology is actually like the removal of a lot of those things and back to basics. So that's kind of what Rizal is. It's like, well, can we remove the rubber sole that is good for blah, blah, blah reason? Can we remove, you know, the plastic, uh, you know, uh, padding in the arch support uh, and really just like simplify it back to basics, which is essentially how shoes have been made for, you know, probably thousands of years, slab of leather, you know, other natural materials as well are fine, and definitely things I'd like to expand to. But like you guys, I like I like the uh, sort of animal based leaning side of things, and I think the fact that it's leather makes me feel connected to that. And I I've always liked leather, uh, so that was kind of just like um, a big influence for me. Was I I like leather things? I've always liked leather wallets, belts, shoes, just anything leather has always like felt good to me, and uh, that was something I, I wanted to achieve with that, but. Um yeah as far as on the manufacturing side, you know finding finding workshops that had already that were already making that like yeah maybe sometimes they're adding uh rubber or plastic stuff as well, but some sometimes they're not, and just being able to like work with uh suppliers that already understand that process and like what we can subtract, what we can add, things like that.
2: So this is kind of more of a random question but it kind of came to me when when you were talking about uh the Le- leather to soul show. It's kind of two different questions so I'll kind of maybe hold one for later. But like for me one of the things I think about when it's like okay cuz I'm like you like the more you've gone through your journey, the more simplistic I think things become and you sort of like almost search for simplicity because you find that the answers you're looking for like lie like within nature and all that stuff and all that stuff like on its head is really simple. And like, of course, like the nuances are complex, like probably trying to figure out how to remove like certain things that have been done to shoes that have made it probably cheaper to make and manufacture and stuff like that. How like, have you guys like remained competitive? Obviously it's a niche space. So you have like, in a sense, that can be a strength and you probably like lean into that. But Mm -hmm. I love like, because uh, because of it, it, like because it is so natural and stuff like that, obviously my first like thought goes to like, okay, price, of like manufacturing to make a really high quality product that like works for one for what it is. And then also like is built to last. Cause to me, when, sure. when we were talking about TVs earlier um, or, or monitors and keyboards and stuff, because uh, Tristan had some shit that just kept breaking all the time. And I, it's just been like a theme that over the years, like things have gotten maybe relatively more affordable in some cases, but they break so much faster. And so you have to Mm re-up it. So the quality is way down and I wouldn't even say like affordability is some things are better, but I'd love to hear about like how you guys, the thought process around that, because I don't come from like your e-commerce commerce commerce background. So I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to wrap my head around the idea of like how you scope these things out and how you view like a market and sort of, and sort of Mm -hmm. things like that.
1: Yeah. There's definitely a few sides to this. But um, I mean, ultimately, from like the selling a product perspective, like the the margins have to be there. And and I've been in businesses and had products where like the margins get whittled away. And that's really tough. That said, I'm sure Rizal has way lower margins than like your typical manufactured shoe, right? Like that is just made out of plastic or whatever. So, you know, you have to just let that absorb into the price in some way. And that's why a lot of the things that are the things we're into these days are higher priced versions of the cheap shit that you can find at Walmart, right? But it just has to be that way. And that that is again a symptom of everything being like replaced by cheaper materials and then, you know, essentially everyone getting used to fake versions of the thing and then being like, "Well, why aren't these shoes $20?" and it's like, "Well, because there's, you know, a human used their hands to put together like cow leather to make this beautiful shoe that got to your door. And it's like, that's real, that's real. There's real costs in that. Right. And that just has to be absorbed into the product. And then that's part of the story that you tell. And, and that's why, that's why, you know, like rubbing beef tallow on your face is also more expensive than like whatever, I don't even know what brand of regular stuff people use, but like, uh, or, you know, like, Grass-fed beef, or or you know, uh, tallow tortilla chips, or whatever, whatever example, right? Like all these things are expensive versions of the of the cheap fake stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I just I don't really know if I have like a direct answer to that question. But like when you're kind of like scoping it all out, you just have to like it, it, it's either going to work or it doesn't, or you have to find a way to like put the value at a higher price point, right? No, and a lot no. of people. It-
2: no, you totally answered it, and I'll kind of let you finish there. But like that, the whole point is like, every, like you and you said it like pin like head on the nail is this. people are used to like this the convenience culture of, and it's sort yeah. of been like in a way just like hyperinflated in our minds of like what prices really are because people just don't know, especially when it comes to like quality material. So yeah, it's just one of those things.
1: Yeah, it's like real stuff has real costs, and it just has to it has to cost more. Like you know, if you wanted to get like, I think I used this example on another podcast for whatever reason pop in my head. But like, if you wanted like a, like a spatula for cooking, like back in the day, that would have been like hand whittled out of like wood by like an artisan. And then like, you know, made out of like local walnut or something. And to get a spatula like that today would be like $150 or something. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense to most people, but that's the real cost of a real item. Um, we're just used to like plastic stuff these days, but, um yeah you know, and I think um I think there's trade offs with natural materials as well, like when it comes to costs, like you know um on one hand, they last more in other in in some ways, but in other ways, like synthetics are good at a lot of stuff, right like the reason people love synthetic shirts and stuff is because they like last forever, they're exactly the same for a very long time, right, whereas you get like a hundred percent organic cotton t shirt and it like kind of like changes after you wash it a handful of times, and some of this stuff doesn't necessarily last as long but um but but it's real. Right. And it's like, I don't, for me, it's almost more about that side is I want to feel good about the materials I'm putting in my body and supporting and paying money for and things like that. Um, And, and, and back on price, like a lot of people do think Rizal is too expensive and then it's not for them if they don't understand that and value that. Um, But that's the price that it has to be. And I think it's like appropriate and clearly a lot of other people do but, you know, it's not like a $300 shoe or something. There's, there's definitely $300 leather boots out there. It's like half the price of that. But, um, but yeah, you know, like, you're not going to find handcrafted, like, all leather grounding shoes for like, a couple bucks or something. So just have to uh, bake it all in.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's just like the reality of it and and people need to realize that definitely, you know, it's the same boat with, you know, using like hundred percent wool for, for clothing. Like it's not yeah. going to cost like a sweater. not going to cost like 80 bucks. Like it's just not, exactly. it's not, it's not even real. And, um, the thing that I'm curious about, cause we see this on the, on the apparel side is like this, this vanishing of this knowledge of, of manufacturing with natural fibers or, or natural materials like leather, like wool, um, it sounds like you went on kind of like an an Easter egg hunt and and found like good suppliers. Do you think this is like a major problem or do you see kind of a a resurgence happening? Cause I, I see it, um, kind of like there is this resurgence on the consumer side on the brand facing side, but then in the manufacturing, there's still like less and less availability for, for people, especially in areas like the United States. Um, that know how to work with like natural
1: fibers yeah. and,
0: and natural materials.
1: I'm sure it was a similar journey to what, what you've been going through and it is an Easter egg hunt for sure. You know, you can't just like fire up Alibaba and like find a manufacturer and be like, Hey, can you make me like a undyed wool sweater with like natural stitching and like a knot and polyester tag or like, you know, you can it's hard to like do all of that stuff or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, I, All all I have to really say there is just like, yeah, it is an Easter egg hunt and it's like digging and finding the right partners to work with who can can make stuff. And at the same time, I do think that it's a movement. I think there's a big shift going on. And I think that we have a bit of like a micro economy here of uh, brands that don't want to do it like the current status quo way. They want to do it like the old natural way. So, you know, it's all just natural economics and stuff. And like if the manufacturers have the opportunity to get those clients, then they're gonna shift, right? Like if suddenly everybody in the food industry is hitting up every food manufacturer and being like, hey, we want to use tallow. We don't want to use uh, you know, canola oil, then like over time they're gonna shift and then 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 it gets wiped out, right? Or or it's just become standard and more accessible uh to find those manufacturers. But until then, you know, yeah, I think you kind of have to I'm sure, I'm sure you've probably you're probably not working with some giant manufacturer, right? You probably found like some like specific niche, uh, you know, who knows, maybe it's a handful of people. I, I don't know exactly your, the situation of, of your um supplier, but like, it's probably not like some mega corporation or something like that, that that's making them. So um yeah, it's just about kind of finding the right partners that, that like do have those values and, and understand how to work with those materials and, or, or just can be open to your, what, what you want. Right. Like sometimes just a smaller manufacturer will be like, oh, okay. Like, well, they want me to go through these couple of hurdles, but like they're willing to do that if you're valuable to them. Right.
0: Yeah. And then basically the question that always comes up from that is like, is, is this stuff scalable? Um, and could we, you know, could everybody have a pair of risals or, you know, like a hundred percent wool sweater or, you know, eat beef, uh, if they all if we all ate, you know, five pounds of, of red meat a week, it's, it's right. always what comes up. And to be honest, I don't really know the answer when it comes to like clothing and natural fibers and, and, and things like that. But there's definitely a bottleneck from a manufacturing perspective, obviously, but then also the sourcing of, of the materials as well. I'm, I'm not quite sure. So it's always a fun thing to think about. But I'm curious,
1: you know, what your thoughts are and. You don't have yeah. to have an exact answer either. Um it's no, kind of I think a fun I, thought experiment. I feel similar to you. I I don't know. Like yeah, can can everybody can 8 billion people be eating regeneratively grass-fed? <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not sure. Um I mean obviously that's idyllic and 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 I would love to see that happen, but as of right now I don't even think there's the demand there necessarily, but oh, I yeah. do think it's growing, of course, and that's why you see uh you know, you see responses to that. Like you see I mean let's go let's continue with the grass-fed beef example when i first started buying grass-fed beef there was like one farmer's market guy that had grass-fed beef and it was like oh my god there's grass-fed beef then a few years later it's at like sprouts for like eight dollars or whatever from like new zealand and stuff right it's like it's not the same but like they're gonna find ways to like mm-hmm. circumvent the system and like get people what they want at that scale um i don't really think about scaling your to that scale to be honest i think i'm just gonna like I, I want to lead the wave of people who care about grounding, um, which is still a small subset of people. Um, will it be as big as like Vivo and barefoot shoes or something like that? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but um, until then, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other and just like grow it as much as I can. But I also think like other materials, you know, like I don't think Rizal is about, like I said, there's kind of a few priorities, grounding, barefoot, natural materials. I love natural materials, but I think in the Risal value hierarchy, it's kind of actually like the third one. Um, not to say I would like, you know, pump out some like synthetic shoe or whatever, but there are other materials that I would be open to using that like maybe could be more scalable than all leather construction. Um, you know, even even rubber is actually a natural product. Like modern rubber that's used on shoes is not natural. It's like, you know, these weird synthetic polymers of like blended with whatever and a bunch of dyes and crazy stuff, right? But real natural rubber comes from rubber trees. It's not grounded. It is insulated. But you know, you could do like a true natural rubber sole. Uh, you know, still figure out ways to ground it, whether that's the current copper plug or some other sort of situation. You know, I could use like textile uppers. I'm not to that. You know, hemp, uh, you know, there's a million materials, right? So I'm sure there would be ways to scale that. And I'm hopeful that over time Rizal won't just be this one form of construction of a shoe, but like many. And uh that even gets into where 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 you're located and like I would love to do something more outdoor all weather focused um I'm glad you like are stoked about them in the snow. I do feel like they're they're not as you've probably noticed they're not like hundred percent waterproof they're not really like totally ideal for that, but like you can kind of pull it off and uh just like traction wise right it's just a slab of leather um so more of like a everyday, like, well, my consideration of everyday weather, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, over time, like for that, maybe that would need other materials to really accomplish um, these other like sort of attributes that ideally different styles of shoe would have.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of, it was kind of like, obviously a, a trick question because, you know, the only reason these, you know crazy corporations are getting these prices. It's all economies of scale. And then it leads to, you know, the centralized mess that we're in. So I think it's great to have, you know, multiple smaller companies like carving out a niche and, and really just focusing on quality, because I will say at any scale, like at a certain point, there will always be a compromise on quality. Like once you get so big, like Mm -hmm. you, it's just going to happen. So it's better for, I think the customer, the consumer to, you know, have these, small, medium-sized
1: companies that are, that are real. And you can be profitable like heavily if, if you just run a business correctly. Right. So a couple thoughts on that. One is that, um, yeah, as a consumer, I, I prefer to, I would rather buy a product that I know is like, I know who's literally making it. Like even, even Rizal isn't that cool. (laughs) Like if I was like literally making these like myself and being like, Hey, like, this is like something I, you know, I, I love stuff like that. I love knowing like there's one guy who like, meticulously perfected something and it's not scalable, right? The not scalable stuff is the best shit in the world. Um, But on the other hand, yeah, you want, you want to, you want to find the right balance of that, right? You want to find the right balance of having like that real quality, but also being able to grow it to a level that it can actually reach people. And you're not just like making it for two people or whatever, like locally passing it out in your village or whatever you want to, you want to get in front of people. And that's the era we live in. Uh, You know, the internet, we can get in front of millions and millions and millions of people. Um, Yeah. I, had, I said I had a second thought, but what was that? <laughs> Forgot where I, where else I was going to go. Nah,
2: no, that's all good. I actually was thinking just in the back of my head during this, because we're talking about like grounding, being grounded, being connected. Um, and I think that goes to, like I loved all your analogy you've used, because the idea is be connected to some degree to wherever this product, food, whatever came from. And that's sort of like the idea that's been lost on like a high level, pretty much in every facet of everybody's life in, in modern society is like you're not connected to anything like they the the mm-hmm. whole social media thing is like stay connected. But it's like the most disconnected connection you could probably have with right. anybody um, in some totally. ways, like some ways it's obviously good. Like we're talking to you through that. But but it's it's sort of like that return to nature thing. I'd love to know sort of the benefits you've seen for yourself personally from activities like grounding um, and, and making that a part of like your own sort of part of life and sort of mm. that reconnection for yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely something to it, especially with these natural things that I would, I, I would kind of put like certain activities like grounding or like cold exposure or like jumping in the ocean and stuff like that in a certain bucket. And, you know, for the, for the years before I was doing more of that, I was, you know, like more meticulous about my diet than I am now. Um, I was like more, uh, you know, avoidant of certain things that I am now. Uh, and that was kind of weird because eventually I realized that I actually feel better worrying about those things a bit less and making sure I'm jumping in the ocean. Uh, making sure I'm outside grounding getting sun like all these things that just kind of happen natural with just being a human on this planet (laughs) like actually have more of a noticeable impact on my energy on my sleep on my focus on my ability to just feel present and engaged Uh, yeah I feel like that was kind of where I started flourishing a bit more than when I was like you know head down in like nerdy biohacking stuff or like measuring things so much, um, at least for me, like not to say those things are all bad. I still do a lot of those things. Um, But yeah, you know, like, I feel, I feel better since um, putting more of a focus on like that just natural grounding sun, especially, honestly, especially sun, Uh, you know, you can't package that up and sell it or whatever. But like, uh, yeah, you know, I think, um, I think those things kind of go hand in hand, right? Uh, So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, same here. I think both Ryan and I would, would agree fully that the more connected we get, the less that we're stressing out about like the minuscule details or gadgets and supplements specifically. And mm-hmm. the more we just get outside and, and you know, live a more natural, connected lifestyle, the, the better we feel. So I that's yeah. that's why I think the risals are so great because it is a challenge to, you know, ground in a modern world. Totally. And something I want to get back to is yeah, kind of how the leather and then the copper plug like all plays into that, because obviously leather is kind of like a natural material that, you know, animal skins would be connected to the ground. And it has some conductivity to it. So it does, yeah. why don't we talk a bit about that? Because that's kind of the, the fun stuff, especially for me, is, is getting into that side of things and how you kind of value these and or rank them in terms of their effectiveness, I should say, and, and how that's mm. really differentiating.
1: Yeah, I will say, like, I think you're, I think you're the expert uh, between <laughs> us here on, on this sort of thing. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, what that came down to was like, obviously, copper is extremely conductive, so that's just kind of like, okay, bases are covered if we use a highly conductive thing. But you're absolutely right, and I have, uh, I have like even just a basic like continuity meter. You can show that without the copper, it still is in continuity. But then, like, down to the testing that 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 you've done a lot of yeah is the level of conductance the same I, i'm i'm sure not and i should that would be really cool to like publish some more uh kind of like data around that like show risels without the copper plug yeah. show that they're still grounded but like show the differential in um you know effectiveness between having the copper plug or not so it was really more of just like a simplistic decision of like okay well if the copper's there then it's certainly Uh, maximizing, well, not maximizing, I mean, you're not like standing, obviously standing directly on the earth is going to be maximized. But um, having the copper there is clearly going to have like a point of uh, intensified conductivity versus just having leather. And um, honestly, just gives you peace of mind that like, I am definitely grounded if I'm touching this copper, this pure copper plug that is also touching the earth. Whereas with the leather, you're kind of like, well, is it grounded? Is it not? Um, Because that's kind of like, a gray area, at least the the way people see it. Um, And slight tangent that you reminded me of was that I also see Rizal as kind of like, it is like a supplement, like it's not a replacement, right? It's not like, I'm never going to go around saying like, just wear your Rizals for a couple minutes a day or whatever. And then like, you know, you're magically whatever. It's more about um, if you're not living a perfectly optimized life, I'm definitely not living a perfectly optimized life. You guys are you guys are killing it on like the nature front, like out, like in those shots I see, like <laughs> where, where you're at. Um, like, I mean, I'm like definitely not completely EMF optimized here, but the way I see it is like Rizal's, if I'm out, I'm out just like going on with my day, I'm getting bits, hits of grounding just, you know, on the sidewalk even. Yeah, maybe it's not the absolute maximum grounding of like a pristine lake in, uh, lake in Wyoming or something, but that's just like little hits of grounding that I'm getting without even doing anything differently. Right. And I, yeah, I think, you know, jumping into the ocean, being truly barefoot, whatever, like, yeah, that's going to be maximally uh, effective, but um, I think there's a benefit to just like getting additional uh, effortless hits of grounding throughout the day. It's like uh, kind of even back to the grass fed beef example. It's like, you might take uh, liver capsules or something, but that doesn't mean, you know, don't eat liver. Right. So uh, yeah, just, quick thought that came to mind no
0: i think it's spot on i think it's it's true because we unfortunately you know live modern lives we wear footwear we need to cover our our feet we can't just walk around barefoot all the time even though i I try my my darndest in the in the (laughs) summer at least it's definitely not possible in the winter so i think it's it's really important and i think again the leather outsole component is is really like this stuff just doesn't exist anymore, so I'm really yeah. excited and you mentioned kind of like the boot uh potentially coming up that would be my number one request because yeah Ryan and I um walked up a, a steep hill today, and I'm just wearing my vivos and I'm like, yeah, you know they're great, but it'd be even more awesome like I'd be willing to pay however much to have like a fully yeah. leather boot that's grounded and yeah. Um that would be
1: killer. Yeah. If, I have like how the, do you work
0: the I guess the I the biggest question for me is the traction component. Like how do you hmm. figure out traction with like leather uh yeah. outsoles? Is that is that a challenge and or is that just something you haven't really prioritized in the obviously in the slipper
1: Yeah, I mean with the current on. styles, it's not the top priority, as you can tell. It's just a slab. It's not like a you know, yeah, you're not gonna be going on like a super intense hike probably with them. But the thing is, is like that natural leather has, it has more traction than people might imagine. Like, it's not like you're going to slip or something, but it's not perfect for, yeah, hiking and outdoors or stuff like that. But I kind of think of it more of like my day-to-day environment, I guess it's my perspective, right? Like, like you have an amazing access to areas that you would want to be barefoot, like right outside your door. Whereas most people, it's like, you know, like oil spilled in the street or something like <laughs> you don't want to be like stepping barefoot uh, on that. but. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean the first current, current style outsole, I would say is not perfectly optimized for that, like all terrain traction environment. But, um, as you wear it, as I'm sure you've noticed when you try them on like brand new, they're a little bit more slick than after you've worn them a bit because they, they just get like natural abrasions in the, the, the water Buffalo slab leather outsole. So that kind of adds a little bit of traction. Still, it's definitely not going to be the traction of a synthetic. But yeah, I think, um, uh, I think, yeah. To be fair, I do think like the boot style we're talking about is like further down the line. Um, like, there's a, there's a lot more coming before I even try to tackle that one because that's going to be like a completely different manufacturing process, probably. But I think the solution will be probably something with natural rubber and still figuring out grounding, like, and still having uh, grounding points, but using using natural rubber maybe in like uh Even just like a pattern, like like lines or something. Like it doesn't have to be the whole sole necessarily, but still make it grounded. But yeah, I think if you want something that competes with like vivo hiking boot style barefoot shoes, like you gotta use something other than just leather.
2: Yeah, because the way I was like imagining it, because I I had the same thought too this morning when we were out there. I was like, yeah, I'd probably you probably couldn't take these shoes into like a foot of snow. While walking <laughs> up, I mean, not that uh, like the average person is probably going to be doing that, even on like a, like they're probably not going to look at that and be like, yeah, I, I want to hike up that like uh, near vertical incline with like yeah. a 30 pound like uh, kettlebell in one hand and a weighted vest. But, yeah. uh, But yeah, the one thing I really like about them, because I've had, I've had clients of mine ask me about, like, I would tell them, like, I would show them, like, for instance, the rounding sandals that I would use in the summer, but they would ask about, like, full toed shoes, and I just really didn't, like, know of anybody really doing them, or if I did, I didn't know if they were, like, legit, you know what I mean? And that's what I really like about you guys, like, you're very, like, forthright with, like, the material, like, what's going into it, and you can kind of... Prove like the conductivity is like Tristan's done with some tests yeah. with your guys' shoes. And I do like the fact that it's like, you know, if I I live in the city, I'm in Salt Lake City. So I if I want to like walk to the park, I can like take those and like walk on the grass and stuff yeah. in fall, like spring when it's still kind of chilly and not have to like put on like throw on my stinky sandals that probably smell like dead feet or something by now. <laughs> I, 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 I like worn them out and like a whole in one year. I just like you can see like the black print of my foot on the bottom of the shoe. So I really like that. It has that versatility already in it and sort of like, I wonder, is that, did you guys think about that? Is that why you guys sort of made the closed toe shoes? I know you guys kind of envisioned like what shoe would I want to wear because everyone else was just making kind of sandals. So like the closed toe thing is like good. And in my mind, one of the things I think about with closed toe shoes is like, how do they protect like the sanctity of my toe position? You know what I mean? So Mm. did you guys put any thought into that at all? Because most shoes, like, you know, like, just kind of, like, cramp your feet, like, in like this. And I kind of like that it has that different toe at the end. It's kind of nice.
1: Yeah, well, the toe, that aspect came from already wearing barefoot shoes for a long time and just, like, knowing that, like, to me, um, that's why I rank it second in, like, kind of the risal value hierarchy, the barefoot stuff, because to me, it's just, like, so obvious. It's crazy that shoes aren't that way. (laughs) Like, yeah shoes should have room for your toes and they shouldn't be like supporting your foot in the areas that aren't even weight bearing necessarily. Um, So those are kind of just like the uh, cost of entry as I see it, like, you know, flat sole, wide toe box. But um, yeah, like you said, I saw that, you know, grounded sandals existed. I felt like there weren't options for everyday sort of casual shoes. So that was kind of why I focused on that first. Uh, we are definitely gonna do sandals and stuff like that's actually coming relatively soon, the first one. Um, but di- totally different style than ones that like exist currently. But um, yeah, you know, it really just came down to like, what do I want to wear, just like day to day, and starting with that. Um, because yeah, the I I actually never had uh any grounding footwear prior because as much as I wanted it, I was like, it's just it's just not for me. Like this style just. The style and like the use case of it just wasn't what I was looking for for like my day to day lifestyle. So I wanted to make something that would fit with my day to day lifestyle that I could like wear to a coffee shop or out with friends or whatever. Um, and just like go about my day and still be getting grounding without like feeling super goofy about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's great to. Not yeah, I mean the the Jesus sandals as everyone tells me are like they're cool and I don't care. I mean, I have no like regard for what people think about me at this point, but the the risals do look nice. I mean, I think I even wore them to like a job interview one time. Like you can oh, literally yeah. dress them up. You could wear them to the beach. Uh you could wear them outside in the snow. It's it's nice and
1: people have like I, worn I, them to weddings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. great.
0: I think the optionality is always important, right? Again, the more options we have in the market that are like higher quality, the you know, the more selection you have and and it's great. I think that's what we really need. And again, yeah. just being a part of this space. I've seen so many you know new brands come forth and, and it's really inspiring to see. But we're we're really just getting started. I mean, we all live in kind of like an echo chamber to some some degree. And it's easy to get caught up with like, you know, how much is going on. But really, we're all very small. Like we're, you know, we're very niche, we're very small, but it's inspiring. And that's maybe what I want to get into next. In the last, you know, back half of this pod is, is kind of your background and the entrepreneurship, the e-commerce, you know, first off, like what, you know, if somebody who's really into health has a couple ideas, like what are your like number one recommendations for pursuing it getting started like let's say they have a good idea and then they just don't know Mm. where to
1: go with it interesting first i'm gonna give a slight curveball slash disclaimer which is like back when i was doing we'll get into this a sec but i used to be doing like amazon selling a lot and i was kind of like i had a youtube channel i was doing the whole personal brand personal brand thing i would consult with people i had a course and all that and like like tell people what to do or whatever and i've like 100% 100% retired from telling people what to do <laughs> so like, all right ultima- so ultimately it's like if you have it in you like you're gonna do it right so um yeah I don't know if like I'm super prescriptive about it And um, it, do- it doesn't yeah. have to be it's kind of just like
0: you know lessons learned or or just inspirational sure, yeah, yeah. you know knowledge I just wanted to say that
1: because yeah I think there is a lot <laughs> of like like th- this is happening, this happens in like the health influencer space and the business influencer space, where people just like assert themselves as like, here is what you must do. And I've just developed like a massive, massive aversion to like all of yeah. that. <laughs> um, just just my personal sort of feelings these days. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, really, I'll just say what it came down to for me. And it's like, I just could not ever see myself like in the normal system of like have a job and like wake up at 630 with an alarm and like drive like it just wasn't going to work for me right so I always had this like entrepreneurial bug that like I have to make this work I have to be able to like create whatever I could envision for my lifestyle right so that was kind of the backdrop of it it took me a lot of years to combine that side with things that I'm more passionate about and interested in with my daily life and I think Rizal is the strongest example of that that i've done to date by far uh the one i've started right before that rsnv it's a car parts related uh brand that i still run uh with my friend and business partner but that one was like something i was kind of into i thought it was super cool it still is uh but but Rizal was like more aligned um so yeah you know again i think a lot of it i think my number one thing these days is scratch your own itch so like what what are you not finding in the market that you would buy the shit out of, like, simply, like, you know, and then just figuring out and it doesn't have to be like, completely reinventing the wheel, you know, like, I de- like, like, you said earlier, like, I definitely wouldn't claim that Rizal is like, completely reinventing the wheel, like there are, there's definitely like similar things out there. But it's just about putting together the right package, the right pieces, and and honestly, finding the right ways to um tell that story as well, right? Like, that was a big push for me to get into Rizal was like, yeah, there were some out there, but they were absolutely not talking to our people like they were absolutely not like it just wasn't even it never crossed my feed once in our sort of like bubble and i'm like this is weird because this is for our bubble yet it's not so i'm like so i'm going to do this but in our bubble which is essentially how it works so um yeah you know i think a lot of it comes down to finding a product that has an angle and this was the same even when i was doing amazon brands that were just like random trash essentially is the way I see most e-commerce. So don't do that. Uh, you know, don't just like try to find some like weird little arbitrage of selling some little trinket because you're going to get crushed over time and you're going to burn the hell out on that, which I've definitely done in years past. Um, so yeah, something, something that you're stoked about, something that you would buy, something that has an angle to break out in a market. Um, cause yeah, if you're just like, look, I'm selling like, pretty much the same thing as everyone else, then like good luck trying to, to, to market that. Right. Um, but having, having a hook, having an angle um, like Rizal with grounding, like, you know, natural wool clothing, that's absolutely a hook that absolutely stands out to a certain type of person. And, um, and then from there, like the rest can kind of just how you, you can get a lot more momentum. I think when you get the ball rolling on that foot of like, this is something that, stands out and this is something i'm passionate about this is something that has an angle that i would buy um yeah those are some of the first things that come to mind but
2: no i think that's really good i was just gonna pop in and say because something kind of stands out to me because i've i sort of have a a similar but different background where like for instance me and my good friend that i was business partners with at the time we tried to drop ship backpacks like we get like like we did the whole pretty much everything you said like basically don't to do we did that stuff like we're like going to find a brand on Alibaba, like get a bunch of them, I like rebrand them, we did like the photo shoot stuff, got the website up and then covid happened and like destroyed the whole thing, so we didn't even like get off the ground. But I think for me it's like that there's an appeal to this this area of like the idea of like quick cash with e-commerce and stuff like that, but I think like you're saying it's the it's the power of making a uh, product that people want and enjoy, which sort of comes from your own wants and needs that you like are passionate about, that I mm-hmm. think makes something a really good product. Um, yeah. One thing I was going to ask was sort of just like taking because you, you had, you were already kind of doing this for a long time as far as like an entrepreneurial mindset to somebody that may be wanting to get into maybe building their own business, whatever that may look like. Do you have any sort of Gen like general advice as far as like mindset shifts because it's a very different world than like work like working in a corporate space and mm-hmm. having that sort of safety net of stuff so how yeah. have you navigated like that that like idea of like sort of the the fear of scarcity i guess is, is like a totally. very easy thing that can come into things
1: yeah you froze for me for part of that but i think i got the gist of it okay um uh yeah, I mean I think a big part of it is being okay with the risk and um being in a position where you honestly I think being the best way to go into this is to have a bit of money that you're willing to lose. I honestly think that's the best way. Like when when I used to like coach people on Amazon stuff, some people would come to me like so desperate, they're like I have $800, like I need to make like $10,000. And I'm like, dude, like, this is not gonna work. Like, this is not the way to approach it. Because like you said, that's like a scarcity, like fear place to be. But if you're like, yeah, you know, like, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna take this five grand, this 10 grand, and I'm gonna just like, give this a shot, see where it goes. I I think that's kind of the right attitude. I don't have like the, I wouldn't go with like the super, personally, like the, motivation, blind confidence, like grind, crush it. Like, I'm not really thinking in that way. It's more just like, look, let's take like a calculated risk. Let's like hedge the downside. Like, are you going to be on the street? If you lose this 5k, then you should probably be like more careful or like, you know, like go into it a little bit slower. Um, But being in a position where you're like, yo, like this makes sense. Like this 5 to 10k has the potential to turn into a salary replacing and then potentially 10x of that in the future uh, path then hell yeah, go for it. It should be like a no-brainer to you. Um, which again, is kind of why it's like, I don't, I used to think like everyone should be an entrepreneur. I was like militant about this. I was like, I was like telling everyone they had to be an entrepreneur. And then some people just don't do it. Um, they just, and they're, they're super hard workers. They're, they're great at their job. Maybe they're like, you know, I, I happen to have a lot of friends that are like mechanical engineers. And I've always said to them, I'm like, mechanical engineers and e-commerce, it's like the it's like the match made in heaven because it's like you literally know how to make the stuff like that's the the secret sauce but then but a lot of them just like haven't i don't know they've just like never given it a shot and i'm like why not but they i don't know how to like break that person out and get them to do it but i think if you just already have that infection in your brain of like i'm gonna fucking do this then then you're gonna do it um but yeah i think i think the part of that that is controllable is figuring out how to how to hedge your, your downside and take a, take a controllable risk. But, you know, I, I definitely, as far as e-commerce goes specifically, I definitely don't think it's like a great option to like make guaranteed money a lot quickly. Right. Like you were saying, like, it's not, it's not easy, but like, if you build up a brand, if you build up an audience, um, if you kind of let the snowball accumulate over years potentially in an organic way that can scale versus like, you know, hacking like an algorithm on Amazon or something like that. Then you're building something that could be, you know, grow organically over five, 10 years, be sold. Um, That was another thing. That was the thing I was gonna circle back to earlier was when um, you said something about uh, like these businesses are like super niche and small, but niche and small can be, $20 $20 million. <laughs> like, I mean, like a $20 million business is like a small business in the grand scheme of business, right? And I do think like we're, we're absolutely going to see those in our niche. Like, we're, you're going to see probably it has already happened. I don't know examples, but like a blue blocker brand could sell for $50 million or something like that. Wouldn't surprise me at all, <laughs> it, even though that's like very niche. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, general advice wise, yeah, I think if you have it in you, like figure out how to take those risks and it might take a few reps like i think if anything the thing that is my advantage at this point is that i've just taken reps and i've screwed up so many things and i've like i've i mean i thought i had it made when i was like 23 i mean like no joke like i thought this is just like up only like easy like made it um and then had a rough few years for sure and have lost a bunch of money on things as well so um you know, but ultimately like the advantage that you have is like putting in those reps and having those mistakes. And then now I started like Rizal felt way more effortless than every single one before it, just because I've like thrown stuff together. And like, if this is your first e-commerce uh, right now, it's like, if you did this again in a couple of years, you're going to be like, oh, well now I know I have to do this, 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 and you can kind of accelerate the process and come out uh, just like, it's just going to be a lot easier. Right. So start putting in, start putting in some of those reps and just like, just try something but it's got to be it, yeah it can't just be like the the Alibaba like change the logo thing cuz that's that's tough.
0: Yeah, a quick pause here for promotional partners since this is a live episode. We mentioned it once or twice. My new apparel brand Wyoming based 100% wool beanies and sweaters now available for pre-order, made in Wyoming using local wool and we are tremendously excited to help accelerate the adoption, the readoption of U.S. manufactured apparel and zero plastic and woke marketing. So check us out, WyomingBase.com. We have beanies, sweaters, and hopefully socks and more coming later this year. Second promotional partner and one that Matt also may be interested in is Daylight Computer. Daylight Computer is the world's first blue-lit free computer. It is a tablet that is also available for pre order, uses paper reflective screen technology. And we just, or we're about to release a podcast with founder Anjan uh, this week. So you can listen in more for details on this. Really excited to help accelerate tech that may be healthier for us and less disruptive to our sleep and circadian rhythm. All right, back at it here with Matt from Rizal talking about entrepreneurship. I think everything you said was like spot on. It's it's really the way I see it when I was young. I was like, I knew I wanted to do something different. I knew I wanted to like get out there, but I didn't really know what to do, what product to make, what business to start. And I was like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to start trying stuff. Like I'm I'm young, like I'm taking calculated risks. Like the downside is not that high. Now I'm probably taking bigger risks. Like I don't have like a corporate job as of the moment to like fall back on but I kind of have like years of experience and then, yeah, I was almost like waiting. I was like, I can't ethically like start a company that's not in my ethos in terms Hmm. of like you know i can't just start like a a supplement company that's like some greens powder because i know it's bullshit like i i (laughs) I, I couldn't do that even if you told me it would make me like 50 million dollars like i i probably just like couldn't do that and then i also just wouldn't be motivated i wouldn't be inspired to work on that every day whereas if you have something really aligned like risals like you know making all natural apparel or healthier tech like i just mentioned You're going to want to promote it. You're going to want to like work your ass off to like get this in the hands of people. And then when you do pitch it to investors or partners or whoever, they're going to see that you're fired up about this. So it's almost like going to increase your chance of success. But to anyone like who doesn't know whether they should do something or they're on the fence, like, hey, just understand like who you are. Are you still on this journey of like finding out what you're passionate about? Maybe like finish that first and then, yeah, you know, stack some cash, get comfortable in terms of like your baseline. But then once you really dial it in, you know, use your knowledge, use your experience. And like you said, maybe you do start something and and you just learn from it. You build those repetitions. And that way, when you come across something that, that really makes sense for you, um, mm. go full on it, but also understand, as you mentioned, you're not just going to be like, it's not just going to be like this smashing success. And that's probably going to take years, maybe decades. I mean, if you look at really the successful businesses that exist today, they've they've all taken such a long period of time. So totally. I think it's really adopting a low time yeah. preference mindset and then understanding how that kind of fits into you as a as a person.
1: Yeah. I would just add one thing that I do think like the, alignment aspect of business like how close is this aligned with my passion that is definitely a spectrum right and you know because i always had people that would take the opposite side and they'd be like well like my back's up against the wall i have to be doing this and in that situation i understand it right Mm. but i think it's really just about trying to trying to move further like you're along saying like you
0: couldn't like cut the loss if it was like bad or or what do you mean no, i mean where um, were like, the downsides what i meant
1: of? was uh actually what i meant was like if you um you know if your backs up against the wall financially and you're working mm, yeah. on something that's not perfectly aligned with your everything in your life you know spiritually whatever that is right interest wise uh creatively like, I do think that has its place at times if you have to, right? Like, you can't, like, not everyone can always be, like, 100% aligned, uh, and but it's just hopefully you're moving, like, further in that direction of doing things that are, like, closer to who you are. And I think, like I said, I think Rizal is the closest I've been. I still wouldn't say, like, it's, I, I don't know if I ever will, but, like, I don't know if work is ever who you are 100%. <laughs> um I think this one's close and I love Razzle. I think it's super cool. I think Grounding's cool. I think all this biohacking and esoteric health stuff is super cool. Is it like the absolute culmination of my entire life's work over the next like several decades? (laughs) Probably not, honestly. Right. It's like, it's what I'm doing now. I'm stoked about it. Um, you know, I think it'll have a several year run who knows what will happen in 2030. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I think just like moving it along and, 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 uh, ideally finding something that is, uh, it has to be it has to be an opportunity business wise but it also has to be aligned with things that you care about right because if it, if your passion is hard to monetize then you might be you might end up like kind of stuck in a situation right so i think i think it's a balance but ideally you're doing your you know your life's work ideally
0: yeah. And I guess t- to be fair, it's like, it's almost, it's impossible to en- encapsulate like your entire being, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> we're very like well-rounded, like it's a, it's a big spread on like what encompasses like your personality and what you're passionate about. It's uh, you know, so, but you know, the company needs to be specific, I think. So it's like just picking from that tree of of Mm -hmm. passions, maybe it would be a helpful way to put it because um, I'm sure there's a lot more to you than like grounding. Right. But it's just like, Oh, that, that's aligned with like this one aspect that's, that's important to me. And yeah, I think it's probably a good way, a good way to frame it for people. It's more so, you know, you're just going to be like, more fired up and more driven and and really Mm -hmm. it's also like you said and what ryan says if you see a gap like you're the consumer like you should always treat yourself as like the customer like would exactly would you buy this like would i pay for this um and that's a good like initial sniff
1: test you're already an expert in the things that you like
0: true that's true (laughs) it's um
1: (laughs) It's, it's
0: hard to be objective once you get uh kind of a, in a little deep, I will say.
2: Yeah. Oh, sorry. You guys froze for me. Were you guys talking about something?
0: Yeah. I just said, yeah. Did you not hear
2: the last part? No, sorry. I just froze. I was just just
0: saying, um, you know, you need to be objective basically, but it's, it's a good honest reaction.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like nothing's ever going to be perfect. I mean, that's what I've learned because I I literally spent and I'm sure all three of us have done this at some point where it's like you search for something that brings you like full fulfillment in life. But really, the goal is like bring something that at least completes the same ethos that you are in. Like, I totally agree with what Tristan was saying earlier. It's like, yeah, I couldn't probably start like a green powders company either, even if I knew it'd sell like a 100,000 like... Billion things like initially because it's super popular right now, but it's just like I've always had a hard time, and I I think we're all kind of similar in this respect. Where it's like, if I'm not into it, I have a hard time committing time to make it great, and if it's not great, it's not gonna do well. That's why, that's why I really brought up the Alibaba example earlier was because I've been in spaces where I've had partners that were just frankly trying to make money which isn't a bad thing to want, but because it didn't like fulfill really a need and it was in, in some sense sort of like, oh, we got to trick these people to buy these crap products, these crap right. bags or whatever that probably break in like two months of owning them. Totally. It's like, it doesn't really take you very far. It's not mentally interesting. So right. you kind of got to find that drive. And that's why, like you said, it's like, it is worth like spending time making the mistakes and finding that thing for yourself. I want to actually ask you briefly, just this is totally off topic, but I'm interested. Your car thing. So tell me more about your car thing, just like very briefly, just because I come from like a car guy background. Oh, no way. And I'm just like, I'm just like kind of interested in like what that was all about. Yeah. (laughs) I've been thinking about it for like 10 minutes.
1: Yeah. Go to rsnv.co. Okay. Same website, Instagram. But yeah, basically um, we still run this um you know a handful of years ago like when i lived in la i was more wrapped up in the the car scene and um yeah i was in this was the era of amazon youtuber matt and i like got this like sick porsche <laughs> i got a gt4 i was super stoked on it and literally it was exactly the formula we just talked about i wanted this this part which is the wing riser uh cuz the gt4 has like this spoiler like a wing on the back for aerodynamics from the factory but while it's, like, a high-end one, like, the lower-end ones don't have that at all, they didn't go all out with it, like, the super high-end models. So, basically, what our part does was, like, make it more like the even higher-end models. Uh, so, yeah, it makes the wing higher, essentially, is our core product. We have other products and more stuff coming uh, for other GT Porsches. But, um, yeah, so, basically, I partnered up with my good friend who was also kind of – he also had a, a Porsche and was, like, into this stuff. And he was also a mechanical engineer for Apple. So I was like, okay, hmm, interesting. I can do marketing online stuff. I have the car that we can kind of like experiment on and iterate on, and he has like those design chops and like ability to like, you know, this required like real engineering, right? Uh, For for that type of stuff. So uh, yeah, that's it. That's the short version is that we've been running that for like probably like over three years or maybe four, I forget, but um, yeah, it's been like a nice little business it's nothing, it's nothing massive, but like, it's been a good income for each of us with like, not a full time commitment. So um, yeah, and that yeah. that was kind of like my first, like, again, not fully aligned with my passions, but something I was like stoked on, right? Like, that's like cool compared to like, when I was selling stuff on Amazon, it was more like what you're describing, which is like, oh, uh, like, yeah, like, oh, this random thing on Alibaba can make... Forty percent margins on Amazon. If I send a container from China to Amazon, you know, it's just less. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you.
2: I mean, in both aspects, you're really making like you're actually making something. Like for instance, my my friend was partnered in a company where they made body kits for like the Toyota Supra when they oh, yeah. relaunched that in 2020. Nice. But like the idea is like it's like it's like it's it's niche, but it's it's specific enough that an audience that's really into it will get it. Be- and it's. It's putting that passion into it, which is, like, I think essential for having, like, a successful company. One yeah. kind of follow-up question to that one is sort of when you have multiple ventures, how does one, how does one manage that systematically? Like, hmm. how do you, like, <laughs> tackle those things? Because that's I a theme froze, I see, too, is, like, with people like that. Was the end of the
1: people like um, yeah, if you figure that one out. I yeah. still need that help. <laughs> cause yeah, yeah,
2: I feel like, I, I just wonder cause I, everyone, <laughs> I know, everyone I know has like these multiple things and I'm like, how do you yeah. have the bandwidth to well, like, one
1: of the ways I see it is that like they're kind of like one business in a way, like they kind of need the same things, which is why, like, I'm, I'm always thinking of new e-commerce ideas and maybe I'll launch something in the next year or two. Like I'm not committed to that hundred percent yet, but I'm always brewing ideas. And I always have a running list of like some ideas that i I'd could have been the next Rizal, right? Or could be the next Rizal for me. And um yeah, again, the the way I kind of look at it is it's it's not that much like running completely different things cuz like really what I'm running is my creativity on top of e-commerce, right? And it's like these businesses need the same thing. They need products to be shipped. They need emails to be responded to. They need suppliers to be communicated with. Like it's not really that different even though the product is different, right? So I don't necessarily, yeah, they're separate, but like it would be probably a lot harder if I was doing completely unrelated things. So, one, um, when I was doing Amazon, I had like multiple brands and I always had this vision of kind of like a, what's the word? Uh, Like a, like a parent brand company of like, like incubating brands, basically. And I'm kind of doing that on some level. I mean, we'll see if I add more to the mix. Uh, But, uh, funny slight tangent is I actually almost did a natural clothing brand before Rizal. So that was going to be the next Rizal. <laughs> and then I decided to go with that, but still have some ideas in that space uh, potentially. But like, yeah, I kind of have seen that like, okay, it's really just applying the same formula to multiple product lines, but really like this is the business. And it's just like, there's Rizal, there's RSNB, here's ABC, you know, potentially more. And ideally get to a scale where I could even have like, a team that's just doing the same processes across separate brands. And it's not really like completely separate operations. But Yeah, yeah. and
0: and something I wanted to ask you about as we round out here is just like the, you know, the internet marketing piece of it, right? Like Mm. I think if one thing, you could provide a lot of valuable insight and that's helpful for people. I mean, it's helpful for myself, Ryan, the listeners, anyone who's trying to start a brand, has a brand, social media, like what have you found to be very successful in terms of internet marketing, social media marketing and how has it kind of like evolved? Cuz I know like Facebook ads 5 years ago are different from Facebook ads today. Like Twitter yeah. is completely different from well X from Twitter 5 years ago, right? So yeah, what yeah. what what are your best, you know, thoughts of wisdom there and and what are you excited about?
1: Damn, yeah, that's a really that's a great question and definitely something that's evolved and I also have this like theory that each brand kind of has its own recipe for this. Cause for example, I could tell you what I did for yeah. RSNV, V, but then when I started Rysel, I was like, I immediately knew like this was going to have a different set of things and honestly almost no overlap with the marketing of RSNV and V and in terms of the strategy. But I just like had this understanding that this type of brand needs this type of marketing, this type of brand needs that type of marketing. So just to put that into like examples, RS V super niche product never ever ran a paid ad because like it'd be super hard to run a facebook ad to like owners of a specific model porsche that there's only like thousands of (laughs) like it's super 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 niche right um so for that it was like okay how do we do um like how do we get mentioned on forums like enthusiast places how do we get like in the hands of like youtubers that own these cars or and stuff like that um what else do we do for that oh just like engaging on every literally in the early days of rsnb i would just because there's not that many people with these cars so every single i would just go to like hashtag gt4 on instagram and literally just like like and comment on like every post about that car because it wasn't like that many necessarily and then they'd like follow back and then eventually like make a thousand dollar purchase or something potentially uh, whereas with Rizal, I was like, okay, clearly, and just in the current era, clearly, this is going to be short form video uh, in terms of both viral organic content and then putting paid behind that and um, affiliate influencers. So those were really the two main pillars that I saw for for Rizal. And um, it, worked, it exceeded my expectations. And that's why we were blown out of stock. And a lot of people who are wearing razzles right now probably waited for a long time at certain times of the year to get them. Luckily, that's been a lot better in recent months. But yeah, I mean, some people had to wait because it was just going so crazy with like TikTok videos going viral and then like the ad spend on it, like doing quite well and big influencers being very interested. Um, But yeah, I still think that that's the main uh, most interesting part of marketing at the moment, I would say would be uh, short form video. Is obviously, I mean, you guys, I'm sure know this, but like that is still definitely the thing. And regardless of platform, like I think that could be um, like we should we should do more like YouTube, probably like YouTube Shorts seem to be doing pretty well. But obviously, there's Instagram Reels, there's TikTok. For for Rizal, it was mostly TikTok, but then running the same paid ads on on pretty much every platform. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think paid. Paid accelerates, right? Like if you can have a ad that can give you an ROI, like you're off to the races, right? Whereas if you want to just like grind organically, then that's yeah, that's playing the long game, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. And you should be doing that. But obviously, like if you can put hypothetically, if you can put one dollar in and get two dollars back, you have a money printing scaling machine. So ideally that's like what you would hope to find. Um and that, you know, I think comes down to Again, it starts with the product. Like if if Rizel was just another shoe brand, if it was just like, hey, we're selling shoes, you might like how they look. They're comfortable. <laughs> I think that would be unbelievably hard. I I don't think I could do that. I don't I don't think I could just like run ads and be profitable, just being like, hey, we got shoes. But you have an interesting angle, right? You have, uh, or, or for for your for your example, Tristan, like you know, it's not just like, hey, we got sweaters. You might like them. You might not like them. Whatever. Like, it's like no. It's like you're going to tell the story about you're going to like paint the enemy of like why these sweaters are shit and why these are good. Like, you know, you're going to like play this whole story and 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 it's all true. It's uh, but that's um, I see that as like the main sort of part of marketing is really like storytelling and uh, education. So that's been the key thing for 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 Rizal is kind of like leading with this um, intriguing aspect like why is there this copper thing in the soul like what does this do and then you like show it and explain it and stuff like that um yeah and I think across all businesses you know or not all businesses but both these brands I would say um obviously influencers and people with reach is always huge and I here's a little tip too: how you know if you've got a cool product is this goes all the way back to the Amazon days but like if you have to be like begging influencers to have any interest at all in your product and they say no, generally, like your product is probably not interesting enough. Because um, for both RSNV and for Rizal, like um, it's, for RSNV, this was rare, rare, but with Rizal, it's been like, you know, the hit rate on getting influencers to be interested in checking out the product is extremely high because they're like, holy crap, that's really interesting. I definitely want to try that. And then there's there's a natural thing, right? And ideally, you want a product that influencers want. Like if the influencer will buy your product, like if you get orders, paid orders from influencers, that's a very, very, very bullish sign for your brand. Um, and that's something I've definitely experienced with with both of these last two examples that I'm giving. That's kind of like a sign that it's got legs.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, I think it's really helpful. I think it's... The day and age we live in, unfortunately, short form content. And I mean, it's cool because, you know, you can just like get creative with it and, and then get people's attention, you know, very short amount of time. And it's uh, it's really just the name of the game today. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take much to, you know, have something go viral. And, and it's cool. And I think that's why a lot of people are talking about grounding and talking about, you know, getting outside and sunlight mm-hmm. and more esoteric aspects of health. And unfortunately, that does require using social media, but fortunately, it can have a, a net positive impact.
1: Yeah, definitely pros and cons to that, uh, of course. But um, yeah, you know, I've, I've tweeted about this in the past. I've been kind of quiet lately, but like, I honestly think that brands can accelerate awareness around these issues, right? Because like brands, yep. a brand that has a money machine, hypothetically, around natural clothing, grounding shoes, you know, like whatever... Tallow balm, right? That the product, the product is like the Trojan horse, right? The product people love, people talk about, they share it, they tell people about it. They're like, it becomes cool ideally. Like the product, the product actually leads the education. And then people are like, oh, what are those? Like, why are you wearing that? What's with the shoe? Like, what's with the yellow glasses, you know? And then that leads to awareness around the, harmful artificial light or insulated shoes or polyester sweaters right so that's something i think about a lot honestly yeah i think um i think brands are the way to accelerate these movements and gets people interested uh probably more effectively than just like just like pure education right like i think pure education is great and has its place of course But, um, I think the, the brand machine can kind of accelerate that and, and pour fuel on the fire and like get these things out. And we've, we've seen this with like, honestly, everything in this space. Right. I mean, like, uh, now the greens example is coming to my head, maybe not the best example, but like, I don't know, like, like a brand accelerated that, right? Like, let's say you wanted people to be having more greens, which sure that's an argument. Then the the, the product is what accelerated that. Like people aren't like, I mean, people are making their own green juices at home, but a lot more people are buying a product. You need to, you need to provide
0: like the solution. Like you, mm-hmm. you, ha- you have to have the the alternative, or else mm-hmm. like no one, like no one's gonna care, right? They're not gonna go really out of their way like very Mm -hmm. few people are going to like put a grounding rod in their yard like i do like no one's going to do that um no one's going to go the longest length to like get the health benefit they want something that's like oh i have this thing and now there's a thing that's the same thing but it's better for me i will buy that because it's better for me and uh, that education is coupled with a
1: solution and yeah, I think that's. I think you're spot on. Yeah. I mean, and it's we need more. way more scalable. Of it's way yeah. more scalable and and accessible. Like, how many pe- how many more people are taking liver capsules versus <laughs> chopping up raw liver and and eating it? Like, yeah. orders of magnitude more people, right? So, yeah,
0: yeah, the barrier to entry is is far lower,
1: and um, that kind of just always plays into the psychology of
0: yeah. consumers. Yeah,
1: and there's just like, I mean, yeah, good or bad, we live in like a very, like. Products and culture, consumerism and culture are like very, very, very linked, right? And like people kind of get like, not from all products, but people kind of get like status from products, right? They're like, oh, yeah, like I'm sleeping on this like wool pillow. That's awesome. Those are awesome, by the way. <laughs> but like, you know, shout it becomes, out shire Yeah. <laughs> it becomes like cool, right? And it's like, oh, like you got one of those. Oh, you're wearing Rizal's. Oh, you're wearing wool sweater. Oh, you're wearing raw optics. You know, it, it becomes, um, There is there is that I'm not saying that's good or bad, but like it just is something I I I notice um, like you could call that ego, whatever you go that that way with it. But it just happens. Right. It's just a natural thing with with products It's like people want to feel like they discovered something early. Maybe that's kind of like the root of of some of these things like uh, you're like in the know like it was cool like raw liver was cooler before everyone knew about it. I don't know. Just uh, it's interesting, but yeah, these things are these these things are like waves, right? Like there's there's these trend waves over over years, and this is a broad entrepreneur learning I should have said earlier, which is for many years I was early to recognizing these trends and didn't necessarily, you know, launch the business. Like I had the idea, but I didn't go for it. Whereas like this grounding risal one was the perfect example of like really launching it at what you could say was like quite early in the trend, but not that, I mean, people were talking about this 10 years ago, but it was definitely an inflection point around that time of like the awareness kind of like finally reaching velocity in the last year, right? Which was like exactly like the timeline of Rizal. And man, I don't even know like the, I don't even know the formula for that, but I think honestly it goes back to like what you care about. And I think you're naturally, uh, you're naturally tapped into the things you're interested in. And we, in our sort of esoteric health space, like we kind of have a sense for what's starting to uh, bubble up as Accelerate. like the next interesting thing. And, yeah. you know, in some of those cases, they they could be businesses or maybe they could just be like, go outside and get more sun, uh, which is great too. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think um, I think playing long-term trends is good. I think short-term trends I would avoid in terms of business and products. Like you don't want something that's like, you know, the fidget spinner of esoteric health, but you do want something that's like likely going to be larger in a few years. Um, like, are people going to be more aware of grounding in a few years or less? Like, probably it's. I think it's going to continue. Like, it's not. It's not peaked.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the trends is, and the timing is important because, yeah, like you said, if if you launched grounding shoes like fifteen years ago, you probably make zero dollars. I mean, yeah, it's uh, unfortunately the reality, but. For me, and that's why I'm so excited in general. Is you know, health is the is a trend, right? Like being mm-hmm. aware of health is definitely a trend, and and it's because a lot of people are getting sicker, but it's also because the age of information and you know we're actually able to communicate a lot of these things. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited for Rizal. I'm really excited for the mountain boot whenever it comes out, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, thanks Matt so much for coming on. This has been fun. I believe people can find out more at risal.co and our code should be D radio. Uh, I believe that's what it is if I'm not mistaken. So yep. is there anywhere else you want to point people, social media, um, articles or information?
1: Um, yeah, no, that, that code should be live D radio R H I Z A L dot C O is the website or risal shoes on pretty much all the social platforms. Uh, I am relatively not a personal brand these days, so I'm pretty quiet on social media, but like, I would say Twitter X is the place to find me. If people would like to do that, or they could find Amazon videos on YouTube from eight years ago or something, <laughs> if that's your thing, but, uh, yeah no, I think that I think that's the only places I would really point people awesome. well, I
0: appreciate you coming on, excited you know for what's to come, like I said, and yeah, appreciate you starting this venture and giving us more optionality in the world of grounding, but where
1: absolutely and yeah, I'm excited for what you guys create and what what everyone listening to this creates in this space because yeah it's uh definitely a, a mega trend overall, people caring about health, people caring about natural natural things and getting back to the way things should be before everything got screwed up
0: (laughs) oh yeah we love that yeah shout out to uh everyone who's uh on that that fringe that's uh you know interested thanks so much everyone for listening we will be live tuesdays 4 p.m mountain time 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific so tune in ask some questions And yeah, we will uh, be releasing our standard podcast Friday morning. That Daylight Computer is, is coming next. So that's an exciting one, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you next time.